Welcome back to Run Through Presents Gone Running. It is Ben Shepherd here, and today we've got an incredible guest, a four-time Olympian, a gold medalist, somebody that represented Team GB at London 2012, and a supporter of a brilliant charity called Access Sport. I am talking about Olympic rower Greg Searle. Uh, Greg recently joined us at an event in Olympic Park, and in doing so, we had the opportunity to speak to him about his incredible career that spanned 20 years from winning gold to then representing his home country at home. Um, I'm very excited to share this conversation with you. If at any point you do enjoy it, please do make sure whether you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you follow or subscribe. And please, if you can, do make sure you leave a positive rating and review also, it really does help us out here at Gone Running. And I would love, just like Greg, to see you at an event very, very soon. You can enter up at runthrough.co.uk right now. My name's Greg Searle. I was an Olympic gold medalist rower. Um, I competed at four Olympic Games, the first one when I was 20. Um, then I yeah, took 10 years out in the middle and came back for London 2012. And I guess competing in London 2012 was part of what connects me to the charity Access Sport, because Access Sport was all about, or is all about, giving kids the opportunities to play sport. And I guess in London, you know, we had this wonderful vision to inspire a generation and that's hard really hard and we need charities like access sport to help help make that happen to start with then i guess um what was it like to go to to your to your first olympics that would obviously have been a dream to get there what was it like going and representing great britain yeah um i mean it, it was it was a dream that I could see the steps towards it from quite early, I guess. Um, I was lucky I had a, a history teacher called Mr. Cross and he rode with a bloke called Mr. Redgrave. And Mr. Redgrave obviously turned out to be Steve Redgrave and got five <laughs> Olympic gold medals. Um, and he won his first one with my history teacher. So it was it was pretty amazing to have this guy who was seemed like a regular teacher at our school, but actually went to the Olympic Games and came back with a gold medal when I was 12, 13. Uh, and then that then gave me a good pathway to follow. I actually ended up rowing with him. Um, by the time I was 19, I got into Great Britain 8 and rowed with him and my older brother. And then I got to then follow into in, on into to Barcelona and then win gold rowing with my brother in Barcelona. And what was it like getting to Barcelona and then winning that gold, but also sharing that moment with your brother as well? Yeah, um, I mean... It was one of those things where it's a dreamlike event that you, you you picture what the Olympic Games or the World Cup or whatever it would be like. And and it really was as good as we possibly hoped. You know, it was sunny, it was warm, it was Spain. Everywhere you looked in Spain, the Barcelona Olympics were probably a lot like the London Olympics in that there were flags everywhere, all certainly across that whole Catalonia area. They loved it um, and they were really kind of up for it. 
So to be wearing a tracksuit was good. To be an athlete was even better. And then to win a gold medal was just, you know, just amazing. And it was a relatively small event uh, in terms of the following. You know, for me as a as a rower, it only really ever been followed by my friends and family, you know, and a small group of people. Suddenly you, you win the Olympics and you're onto a totally different stage. But we didn't even realise that, really. We were still in Barcelona enjoying, you know, watching other sports, going out. I was only 20. Um, I didn't even come back to England to do any commercial activity. I went off on holiday straight from Barcelona because <laughs> I was 20 and I was in a lovely place. So I kind of went to the south of France, hung out there for a week or two and eventually came back to England. And, and you know, I happened to have won a rowing race. And it was only really when I came back that I realised that this was a, quite a a potentially life-changing event really i was going to say what what is it like in those in those weeks after winning a gold medal but i kind of i feel like you you obviously were a young lad you went away and you had fun but when it actually yeah. when it actually hit you what, yeah. what what was that like yeah i mean for me it was uh an out a validation of a lot of work a sort of affirmation that you go on as, as good as I ever dreamed I might be, you know, you look at people and you think, oh, maybe I could do that, you know, but I want to, I want to do that and you get to do it. Um, for me, there was no come down because I'd built to it steadily. We'd achieved it. I then enjoyed it. And then, and then for me, the only pain really came when I wasn't able to do it again because I loved it at 20 and I, and I obviously wanted to carry on and, and, and in every race I entered, I wanted to enjoy it just as much and, and had the same feelings. But the disappointing bit for me was then the other events when I wasn't able to win rather than any sort of come down after it. And is that is that kind of a difficult thing to deal with then when you have been at the top and then, you know, going into races thinking maybe you should win and you weren't able to do that? Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I raced four times the Olympics and every single time I sat on the start line with 100% belief I was going to win. Um, the only shocking bit comes when you don't actually win because I only got to win once and it was the first time. So I went into three other Olympic Games, finished third, fourth, third. And every time I really thought we were going to win, you know, really thought we believed I, we deserved to win. You know, we'd, we'd done the work. Um, you know, we've I felt we were good enough. And yet, you know, with about, you know, 10 seconds to go before the finish line, you realise you're probably not going to win this time. And that's pretty painful. And how do you deal with after that, like questioning yourself, I'd imagine, and and what 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 else can yeah. I do in that last ten seconds? Yeah. So again, certainly for me, I suppose it takes me. It, it certainly took me time to rationalise what had happened. So I might sort of go, you know, a day later, there's nothing I could have done. Yeah. A week later, maybe if I'd done something a week before, I might have got a different impact. And then a year on, I'd say, oh, maybe if I'd made some different choices a year earlier, then maybe I would have got a different result. But again, I, I sort of feel like I I made choices and not sacrifices all of the time. For me, it was never a sacrifice to be an athlete. I loved it. You know, I loved being an athlete when I was 20. I loved being an athlete when I was 40. I just had to make different choices in order to do that. And... I look back on those choices and go, well, I could have done this, but then I might not have had that. So it's all just 
for me, I'm able to sort of rationalize it and say as a whole package, getting what I've got out of sport, I feel really, really satisfied with. And obviously each each Olympic Games would have been special in its own way. But when you found out that London 2012 was going to happen, that must have for you felt, you know, very special that you you were going to be able to represent home at home. Yeah, I was well into retirement when London got to host it. You know, I'd I'd competed in uh, the Atlanta Olympics. I'd competed at the Sydney Olympics in 2000, where my wife was pregnant with our first child. I was just in normal life, really. And then in 2005, we got to host the Olympics. And it was announced, you know, London is going to host. And I thought, well, I'll, you know, I'll be 40 when that happens. They're going to give out rowing gold medals on the 2nd of August. And I'd won on the 2nd of August, 92, age 20. And I could do the maths and go, oh, I could win on the 2nd of August, age 40. You know, that would be a pretty cool story yeah. to be 20 to 40 to get a gold medal you know, one and then the other, and that'd be the ends of a career. But I didn't really do an awful lot with it. I was busy. I was working, you know, young family. I was taking my kids to swimming, to football, to cricket, doing the things that you do really as a, as a dad in their 30s. Um, and then as London got closer, the excitement started to build. Um, and it was three years out that I decided I wanted to really be part of London because I knew how good it would be. And I was in reasonably decent shape and thought, well, if I if I train hard, if I work at this, I can I can compete and I can win. How, how did how was how was the preparation different then? Because obviously from from a young lad that's 20 winning his first goal yeah. to to uh, somebody with a family and young kids, that yeah. that's a that's a very different life. Yeah, no, it is a different life. And the, the honest truth is I enjoyed it more second time round. Okay. I think. I was like um, like a sort of mature student going back to university. <laughs> yeah. You kind of enjoy it a bit more, you know. You're like, youth is wasted on the young sort of thing, you know. Enjoy this because it's really special to put on shorts every morning, to go to a gym, to roll around on a crash mat, stretching your hamstrings. And, you know, as long as you get your hamstrings stretched out, then you'll probably be able to do what you need to do at work. Um, you know, that's very different to having to get an early train, you know, yeah. go to a stressful meeting. And, you know, I loved it that I trained each day in the gym, went rowing most, you know, virtually every day went rowing and went on the rowing machine virtually every day. You know, it was it was quite, those are nice things to do. You know, those are all nice things to do when you're 40. And, and I got to do that every day. And then I got to go away to lovely places around the world and compete with a really great bunch of people. And I, and I you know, like I say, I, I enjoyed it. It was painful, but it was a choice. You know, it was, I knew it was going to be hard and it was choosing a harder path that gave better rewards. And I was, and I was happy with, with the way it all worked really. And you, and you must've felt very rewarded using that word from you just then when you walked in to Olympic Park for the first time with Team GB and yeah, that atmosphere oh, was unbelievable. Yeah, no, hugely. I think it was 542 athletes that, that competed for Great Britain in, in the Olympics, then the Paralympics after that. But no, to wear that tracksuit and feel like one of Team GB when we were all building up to this thing, you know, we were all excited about, you know, getting a ticket, you know, organising a street party, buying some Team GB Stella McCartney merch, <laughs> you know, and I got given suitcases full of it and I got to go and compete and 
got into venues and then and then enjoyed you know the i suppose the whole tension and excitement of being there and then competing which is which is very very special i think from the outside as well it it obviously brought the country together from somebody that was watching it um from the inside did it feel like that as well oh very much so yeah i think I mean, there was a big difference in the way the team was in 2012 compared to what it had been like in the 90s. In the 90s, there was pre-lottery funding and we were even separate clubs, let alone separate sports. So I didn't really know many athletes from many other sports. Um, We were, there was, I mean, healthy competition between boats and then healthy competition between sports sometimes bordering on unhealthy, probably. Um, you, you fast forward to, to London 2012, and we genuinely felt like we were all in it together. The country was behind us. People really wanted us to do well. People cared whether we did well. People wore our shirts, you know, all that sort of stuff, which, you know, in the, in the 90s, you didn't really go out and buy Olympic team kits. Um, you know, in 96, the whole of Team GB got one gold medal. And, you know, there was a bit of an inquest, you know, why why was the Olympic team doing so, so badly? And yet in 2012, it's like, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't move for Olympic <laughs> gold medalists. You know, sports personality of the year was a sea of, of success. And it was lovely to be part of that wave because, you know, I enjoy it. I enjoy it all. You know, I'm excited that there's been a, an amazing cricket match has happened during the night tonight. And that puts a spring in my stride, you know, for all of us. We have a spring in our stride when when these big events are going on, and and to be, you know, in the centre of that and the team for that was was just amazing. Um, and moving on then to to Access Sport, who you're involved with and are one of our partners or our charity partner at uh, at the Olympic 10k and half this weekend. Um, how did you first get involved with Access Sport? Yeah, so I've been involved with Access Sport for probably about fifteen years now. Um, so. I have children now who are who are 19 and 21, but I guess, you know, wind that back to when I first got involved with Access Sport, they were, you know, six and eight or something like that. And I could see that I was able to give them opportunities to play sport. I could see the benefits that I was personally getting and the benefits they're getting from sport in terms of feeling in control of something in their lives, um, having a group of people around them, who who you have a a really special level of trust and friendship with and doing something where when you play a sport, you get to feel good, you get immediate feedback, you do something and you feel good about it. And if you do something that's not so good, you get challenged about it. And I think those are really important kind of values that sport can provide. And so many young people don't get that opportunity either one for many reasons but it could be i guess from a social point of view that it's not around them they're not given the access the opportunity to play because of disability um, because they come to a club and they might not feel welcome they might not feel like they fit in so for me to find a charity that sat alongside that vision of inspiring a generation and say yeah well we're going to inspire this generation but what do we do that actually helps them and access sport helps young people play sport and i thought that was fantastic i think sport is is so important just for core values isn't it is that something that that you see as well 
Absolutely, yeah. I think the lessons we learn in sport are very useful lessons that we learn in life. Um, and yeah, your you know how you define yourself, who you are. Um, you know, often people think about you know, the, the experiences they had in sport, what values we get from playing sport, then carry on into into other areas of our lives, whether that's you know following rules, um, respecting officials respecting people in authority, respecting your peers, respecting yourself, those things are all pretty important in sport and those things are pretty important in life and it's often hard to know where you're going to pick those things up um, and sport gives a huge opportunity to do that as well as also being fun, you know, <laughs> being yeah. enjoyable. You know, we live in, in times that aren't easy and where, you know, you can spend a lot of time struggling um, and 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 you know life can be tough and so if you can go out and do something which just puts a smile on your face and you enjoy and other people appreciate your what you're doing in real time then that's pretty special and having the career that you had it must feel quite special sometimes being able to share sport with people because i mean sometimes people don't quite understand what sport can bring so for you having it impacted your life amazingly over yeah. the years that must that's that must feel quite special to share that yeah no it does i mean i get to as i've done with you relive some of the highlights of my my life and they've they've been involved sport has been at the heart of them and it's it's a privilege to be able to do that and even just doing that makes me feel good because it reminds me of some of the things i've overcome that have been difficult put in perspective which were hard or really enjoyed when i was doing them and i think if I share a bit of my story, it helps other people think about their own and what have been some of the great moments they've had and enjoyed and how did they feel then? How are they acting then? And how can they recapture some of that in their everyday lives now? And that could even be at work that you could identify a good group of people, celebrate each other's success, um, make good connections socially as well as just doing the job you're doing, which I think are all the things that go with the best teams you're in. And so if you can take those ideas and, and try and find that at work um, or in your social groups, that's that makes makes life a lot more enjoyable, I think. In terms of access sport, if, if somebody is watching this or listening to this and, and thinking about wanting to get involved with access sport, what would be the easiest way to do that? Yeah, so access sport um, is about helping volunteers to run sports clubs. Um so what you'll find is, is a lot of people, the sports even that I talk about, that my kids did football and cricket and you know rowing, rugby, those sports are often really well managed and organised. Um, and there's a club that's been established for years. Um, if you're looking at a club which might be, you know, for disability basketball, um, if you're looking for a club um, that might be in a harder to reach group, uh, in an area where there isn't an obvious playing field and a volunteer wants to run that club, then Access Sport can help those volunteers to actually make that club work. It's not easy to put in place all of the, um, I guess, the child protection stuff, to put in place some sort of a funding model, some sort of a model that allows you to actually demonstrate your growth, your, your engaging the local community. And, and again, that's where Access Sport comes in to, to help those volunteers to run those clubs. In terms of how you would get involved, I mean, it's, it's the old obvious answer, I guess. Go and look at the website, look up Access Sport, um, make some contacts, talk to talk to anyone you can see at, at the event who's 
you know, wearing an Access Sport T-shirt. But um, I guess going to a wider audience, no, it's just to, to check it out on the website. Mm-hmm.